Let's welcome J.D. Vance back to our program now. J.D., good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Doing all right. Hey, before we talk about the race and the debates and all of the the weird stuff that happened over the course of the last few days, J.D., um, can you explain, in, in fact, before I do that, let me just ask you, what is your opinion of Governor Mike DeWine and the job he has done as governor of the state for the last uh, three-plus years? Yeah, you know, I, of course, I voted for DeWine in 2018. Uh, I supported DeWine. You know, the, the one thing that I, I, you know, I, I look at the last years and I look at Ron DeSantis in Florida, I do wish that we had made a lot of decisions uh, that, that Ron DeSantis had made, um, especially, you know, everyone was freaking out. I understand it the first few weeks. I don't, I don't begrudge any of us for saying there's this crazy Chinese virus. Let's figure out what to do about it. But I, I think when you get to the point where, you know, so many schools in Ohio, I think still that was true a couple of weeks ago. You know, our, our school, our kids school just went off of mask mandates about a week and a half ago. Um, you know, you think of the vaccine mandates. I, I, I just think there's a lot of stuff with COVID that I wish the governor had handled differently. Um, and luckily, you know, we're at a place where I think the legislature started to push back on this stuff where we finally got back to some some kind of normalcy. Uh, but look, uh, not, not, not happy about the COVID stuff. I think he's been good on the abortion issue. There are other issues where I agree with the governor. So, you know, some good things, some bad things. I think he's a disaster. I think he governs far more like a liberal Democrat, like Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, Kate Brown, Gretchen Whitmer, than the Ron DeSantis, Christy Noem, uh, Greg Abbott class. I think he's an absolute pathetic governor. And what's worse, J.D., the reason I asked you this is the news that came out this morning. He's been endorsed by the Ohio Restaurant Association Board of Directors, <laughs> enthusiastically announcing the endorsement of Mike DeWine for governor and John Husted for lieutenant governor. And, J.D., I just had uh, somebody uh, contact me. 4,000 Ohio bar and restaurant owner, owners lost their businesses. Now, not were closed yep. temporarily. Tens of thousands were closed temporarily. Um, and, and many of them survived by the skin of their teeth, and they are still in a financial hole because of the decisions that were made, the restrictions, the mandates, the limited capacity, the ridiculous rules inside uh, that just made it impossible for people to go to these places. But 4,000 of them, J.D., are never going to reopen again. Businesses lost forever. Yep. Dreams dashed. Uh, and that, of course, would count tens of thousands of employees who worked for them who lost their jobs and have to find something else to do. How does the Ohio Restaurant Association say, well done, sir, good job, you have our endorsement, come back and kill us a little more? <laughs> uh, I suspect there's some politics going on behind the scenes that I have nothing, uh, no, no knowledge of. And so I, I have no idea what they're doing in the background. It's, it's funny, you know, a buddy of mine runs a group of restaurants down here in Cincinnati. You may remember this, Bob, maybe three, four months ago. He actually was asked, he got to ask Biden a question at that town hall. Uh, he was the restaurant owner that said, hey, you know, you, you guys are killing us with your policies. And Biden told him, well, you just need to pay your workers higher wages. Uh, of course, as this guy's getting crushed on, on inflation and everything that he's putting in his restaurant. And so, yeah, look, man, I know a lot of restaurant owners who were crushed by those policies. I'm not happy about it, not excited about it. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't even know what the Ohio Restaurant Association, what their process is for endorsing. So I'm not going to pretend to comment on it beyond that. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And, and uh, I don't know much about them either, other than the fact that I've got restaurant owners or former restaurant owners employees calling me today saying they had no idea about it. Literally, I just had a message from a friend who said he talked to three different business owners in Strongsville, restaurant owners in Strongsville, who didn't even know such an endorsement was coming. And they're a part of the ORA. So uh, that's... Yeah, that's, well, this, this is a... This is a 
problem, by the way, about with some of these organizations. You know, I, I've, I've been very outspoken about not going after the Ohio Chamber of Commerce's endorsement. I'm the only person who's done that. Uh, not because there aren't a lot of good small businesses that are members of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Of course, there are. Uh, but because the leadership, uh, Steve Stivers in particular, is basically, in my view, a liberal Democrat uh, who pushed vaccine mandates and pushed a whole lot of bad policies for the state of Ohio. So, uh, unfortunately, you've got some of these trade organizations where the membership is great, uh, but the leadership has got some work to do. We are talking with Senate candidate J.D. Vance. Um, J.D., let's pivot now to this race. And, of course, you know I'm going to ask you about what happened on Friday night and your reaction <laughs> to what happened on Friday night, too. But for for the uh, services of those who did not hear this yet, uh, whoever they may be. First of all, Shanghai Shenda and buying, Chinese Petro. Buying a second. Right, you may not understand this because you've I never been in the private. No, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private sector it. in your entire life. All right, I've worked, sir. Squat, Josh. Teach yours in Iraq. Don't, don't tell me I haven't worked. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You, you don't know squat. It's okay, all right? You don't know squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Back off, buddy. You're gonna you back off. Oh, my God. Never. That'll happen. Sit down. Never. Watch. Yeah. Watch. We'll swear the way we're dealing with yeah. the wrong dude. Man. No, no, you're dealing with the wrong guy. You watch what happened. You watch. All right. So after that went down on Friday, um, you stood up next time you got the microphone in your hand and you wanted to address it and you turned your attention to Josh Mandel saying this. So before I answer that question, I just got to comment on what we just saw. Uh, look, as the only other person who served his country in uniform, uh, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. My mamaw had six grandchildren, and three of them enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. I think the way you use the U.S. Marine Corps, Josh, is disgraceful. It's not So, John, uh, J.D., you, you, uh, you said that was a joke. You targeted Josh, and then it came up again on Monday night in the televised debate on Fox 8, and you, and you, you made the same kind of commentary. Can you tell me a little bit more as to why you say or said, rather, what you said to, uh, to Josh Mandel about that? Yeah, look, I mean, Josh has every right to be proud of his service, just as I'm proud of my service. Both were, were Marines. I enlisted for four years active duty. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Marine Corps is not a political football. Uh, you know, it's an important part of who each of us is. It's fine to talk about it, but every time somebody criticizes you, you can't jump up and say, well, I'm a Marine. That's unfair. I think it cheapens the U.S. Marine Corps, uh, which is really important to me. You know, like I said, it's not just me, but, but, but two of my cousins served in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, actually, the only other kid in my block at Middletown, Ohio, graduated in 2003 from high school with me. He also enlisted in the Marines. I just don't like using this as a political football. Uh, the other thing I'll say, Bob, is, is that, you know, what, what, what isn't captured in the audio, but I, I, I noticed when I was sitting there, is that Josh was actually looking at a script. Right? He was actually reading the lines before he got up and delivered that. So, you know, everybody's talked about what an embarrassment it is. The thing I can't get over is that it was a staged, tough guy moment. And I, I think, you know, toughness is not something you can fake, and toughness is not something you can... You can try to create a moment for it. It's about how you react in the moment. So I, I just I thought the whole thing was a spectacle, but it turns out it was a pretty well planned spectacle. I don't know what Josh thought he was doing, but I don't think it made him look good. What do you make of the veterans' letter? I'm sure you've seen it or heard about it. Um, a group of veterans wrote a letter attacking Mike Gibbons and defending Josh Mandel, um, and then General Flynn, uh, General Michael Flynn, 
recorded a video saying the same thing, saying, how dare you attack a Marine and saying veterans don't work. Um, I didn't hear Mike Gibbons say any of those things. I told Josh that on my interview with him yesterday. I said, Josh, I, I don't play that. He didn't say those words. You're reading into it that if he attacks one Marine, even if it's not about being a Marine, that it's an attack on all veterans. Um, as a veteran yourself, how do you see that? Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Bob. I mean, look, I, I understand, you know, a lot of those people who signed the letter are supporters of Josh. And this is how, you know, this is how politics works. When somebody goes after you guy, you got to defend him. And I get that. I'm not, you know, I don't begrudge Michael Flynn, uh, for defending Mandel. Uh, what, what I, what I do think is on the substance, you're right. Uh, I don't think Mike was attacking military service. He wasn't attacking veterans. He was just saying, look, Josh doesn't have private sector experience, which is true. Uh, and we've all got, you know, we've all got things that we've been wrong about. We've all got records. I think most of our records are good, but we've all got things that we're going to have to answer for. I, I just think we should have to answer this stuff on the substance. I don't like this thing that politicians do when they're criticized for something. They either pretend they didn't do it in the first place uh, or, or they refuse to actually acknowledge it. You know, just acknowledge it, right? Respond to the substance, move on, speak about the issues. That's my approach. I, mean, I, I think that's why we're catching on. But uh, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that I, I didn't take Mike's assault personally. And like I said, I served four years in the U.S. Supreme Court myself. Now, I'm going to ask you this, J.D., and I want you to understand it's not coming from me. Uh, I, I, I did not enlist. Uh, I have the utmost respect for everyone who ever served, and I don't care what your capacity was. Understand that. However, some of Josh's supporters in calls yesterday said, ah, Vance can't talk about his military service. While Josh was carrying a rifle, he was carrying a clipboard. Uh, they claimed that your <laughs> service was, well, and again, I'm giving you what they said, and I just want to get you to re- respond to it, uh, J.D. They said you were in, at a public affairs desk or something of that nature. Can you talk a little bit about your service since it became an issue? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I, I did carry a rifle in Iraq. I, I spent seven months in Iraq. Uh, but look, I, I was, you know, I did work in, in public affairs. One of the things they had me do was providing security to Iraqi poll workers, certainly carried a rifle then. Uh, another thing they had me do is actually escorting media personnel around because, you know, the, the, there was so much media interest in the war that they had, you know, Marines assigned to make sure these guys didn't get themselves killed, didn't get, didn't get anybody else killed. Uh, so I did some of that too. So I've never, you know, n- never tried to pretend that I'm not. Uh, you know that, that I that I was I was knocking down doors every day. By the way, not, neither was uh, neither was Josh, as I understand it. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, we each served our country. We each did what was asked of us. I think Josh has every right to be proud of his service. So do I. Uh, but I don't think that means you turn it into a nonstop political attack, because I do think that cheapens what so many veterans have accomplished. J.D., um, and thank you for that response. Like I said, I, I, I would never throw stones at anybody who served uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, everyone has my respect, no matter what they did. You put on the uniform, put your life on the line. You don't know where you'd be deployed or what you'd be doing, and you went. Uh, and so I have respect for that. I respect Josh and every veteran who has ever served. So that, I just want to get that out of the way. From a politics standpoint, though, now, you're in third place, according to most of the polls. You're chasing Gibbons in first and Mandel in second. Most of your ire or your comments were directed at Mandel. Why not the top guy? Isn't that the guy you really need to take down here if you want to win this thing? Yeah, so let me comment on the state of the race, and I'll answer that directly, Bob. So, so first, you know, the, the polls have shifted a lot, and there hasn't been a poll in the last couple of weeks. And I feel, i got to say, I feel very confident about where I am. Um, I think if you if you look at some of the, the independent polls, they've had us in a good place. If you look at you know, Tony Fabrizio, who's Trump's pollster, he's got us in a very good place. So I, I don't think we're in a bad place in the race to start with. I do think it's tight. 
Uh, there's a lot of undecided voters. So in the same way, I don't feel like I'm that far behind. I don't feel like I'm that far ahead either. A lot of work to do, especially with undecided voters. Um, I, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, I don't think about this so strategically, right? I, I, I don't, I don't go into a particular moment saying, well, I've got to attack this guy. I've got to attack that guy because he's two points ahead or two points behind. I just respond to the questions that are asked and to what I actually think in the moment, because I think you have to be your own self. You have to be a real person. Uh, look, there, certainly I have criticized Gibbons before. I've criticized Gibbons' record on abortion, uh, which I think is pretty bad, actually. You know, he said in 2018 that he would describe himself as pro-life, that he thought it was up to the woman whether she had an abortion or not. That's the classic pro-abortion uh, language. And, and the thing that I've said to Mike on this is, look, uh, it's one thing to change your mind. Uh, you can say in 2018, maybe you had a different view than you did today and try to explain it, try to try to get people to understand where you are. What I don't understand Mike doing is saying, well, I, I've been 100 percent pro-life. It's like, look, man, the words are out there. Uh, just be responsive to them. It goes back to what I said about not being a politician, actually answering these questions directly. Uh, so, look, I, I'm going to attack um, people when I think that their records deserve scrutiny. I'm not going to attack people based on what I think the polls say. Because uh, I, I think that's a way to come across as a phony, and, and more importantly, not to actually run the race uh, where, where your heart's really in it. JD, you have answered this question from me twice. I think I don't. I try not to belabor it because you, once you've answered it, you've answered it. But I know you answered in virtually every interview and every debate stage you go on. But the question about your feelings about President Trump today versus sure. what your past feelings and and pronounced statements have been. This is from uh, Monday night. I just want people to hear this. And for some reason, it's muted. Apologies. Hold on one second. We'll come back here. Um, you know, I, I've been very public about the fact that I voted for the president in 2020, that I was wrong about the president uh, back in 2015, 2016, and that he's been the greatest president of my lifetime for the very simple reason. There are many, but one very important reason is that he revealed the corruption in Washington, D.C. I mean, who would have believed five years ago, six years ago, that the FBI would actually investigate illegally, get an illegal wiretap on a sitting U.S. presidential candidate? Uh, we saw that. Trump revealed it, and he revealed it in a way that showed us the stakes of the which is why I'm running for this office in the first place. You know, one thing I'd point out is that you know, I, was, I, was, I was just north of 30 years old when I said a lot of those things. A lot's changed in my life. Uh, I re-engaged with my faith. I got baptized three years ago. I've had three kids since then. You know, a lot's different. And one of the things that's different is that I did change my mind about Donald Trump. He was a great president. And I think at the end of the day, one of the things this race presents is an opportunity. Who actually agrees with Trump on the core issues of trade, of immigration? Who's willing to fight for an America first foreign policy? I think that's clearly me. Okay. Now, um, I wanted to play that because uh, it got into a little more depth on your past comments about Trump, but I want to follow it up with this. Many of us, myself included, were against Trump in the primary. Um, my friend Peter Kersenow makes that very public as well. We were very opposed to Trump in the primary. There were other people we, we saw that we thought could do a better job and we wanted. Many of your comments go well past the primary, well past the nomination. In fact, you, that's when you said that uh, I may have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary. And a lot of comments actually came in 2017 while he was in his first year. How do you square that with, uh, is it the same answer? I was a little younger, a little more naive, just over 30 years old. Is it the same answer when you talk about America first um, than as it would be when you talk about when he just declared and was a primary candidate? Absolutely. I mean, look, it, 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 at the end of the day, first, you remember, I voted third party, did not vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and in fact, I think of the, the, the comments where that's constantly resurfaced. I, what I say is, you know, maybe I'll hold my nose and vote for my dog. I clearly was not being uh, you know, serious. I was telling a joke about who I might write in in the 2016 campaign. 
Uh, but look, no, it definitely took me a little while to come around. Um, I've, I've never hit from that Bob. Uh, what I, what I have said is, look, there are very discreet things that happened, very, very specific things that I saw personally, uh, but also ways in which Donald Trump performed that changed my mind on him. Uh, and that's really what this, what this is about. I will say, you know, for, for so many of these guys who act like they're the world's biggest Trump supporters, you know, I, I very often ask, you know, where were you? Because the first time I ever got a death threat, by the way, was in 2018 uh, when I went on TV to defend one of the president's Supreme Court nominations. So I, I, I think that there is a lot of people pretending to be something they're not. My whole approach in this campaign is just to be honest. I didn't like Trump in the beginning. Uh, I did vote third party in 2016. I've been very publicly supportive of the president for the past several years. That's really the story, uh, and that's the truth. J.D., um, last question. I've been teasing this to my audience this morning when I mentioned that you were coming on. I said there's there's kind of some interesting developments going on here that could become game changers in this Senate race. And it's in the form of a tweet from Donald Trump Jr., because, of course, Donald Trump Sr. is not allowed to have Twitter. Vladimir Putin can have a Twitter account, but Donald Trump can't. That's right. But Don Jr. tweeted this, um, and I'm thinking this is yesterday. It doesn't have the date on it, but here's what he wrote. I haven't commented previously, but I'm getting tired of watching the neocons in hashtag Ohio Sen debate, or race, rather, running dishonest ads calling J.D. Vance a never-Trumper. It's BS. A lot of conservatives were skeptical of DJT in 2016 and got won over when they saw him in action. J.D. is 100% America first. Um, that's a hell of a statement, uh, J.D. Vance. Do you, in, do you interpret that as an endorsement from Donald Trump Jr.? And if not, do you think it's – are you on the way to one? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's an endorsement. I, I think, you know, Trump – you know, I, I know Don Jr. pretty well. Uh, I think he's a hell of a guy, by the way, and I think that he's ultimately – you know, he'll probably make a decision about who to endorse when his dad makes a decision about who to endorse. I think that family gets attacked so much by the corporate media, they have to stay united, and I get that. Uh, I do think, by the way, I've got a good chance of winning the president's endorsement, certainly would like to have it. Uh, but I think more importantly is the substance of what he said, right? I mean, he, you know, he, I, I've, I've gotten to know Don Jr. Uh, he knows what I've been doing, some of it publicly, some of it behind the scenes, on behalf of the president, on behalf of the agenda. And, and again, this goes back to what have you actually been doing? I think if Don, if Don Jr., thought I was a never-Trumper, he would say it. But he knows that I actually am with the president on these issues. I'm with our voters on these issues. And, yeah, man, it's great. It's great to have that uh, that, that statement of, uh, of support, to have Don Jr. correcting the record. It's very valuable to me. And hopefully uh, it'll calm some of the people who believe more from you know Mike Givens' TV ads than they do about what I've been doing the past three, four years. You said that uh, that family gets attacked a lot and they have to stay united, and I concur. Uh, I cannot imagine Donald Trump in, uh, Jr. endorsing one candidate and Donald Trump, the former president, endorsing another. They wouldn't do that. They would be united in this. Yep. So, again, considering what Donald Jr. just said here, and they have to stay united, um, what, what do you put on a scale of 1 to 10? Where's your confidence level that an endorsement is coming from 45? You know, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm very confident. I think there's a chance he stays out of it. I think there's a chance he endorses me. I, I would be surprised if he endorsed some of the other candidates. Uh, but the thing that I'll say, I've gotten to know Trump very well the last few years. Um, I talk to him a lot about the race, obviously. He cares about substance, right? This, this is, I think this debate between Gibbons and Mandel and the rest of us didn't do these guys any favors uh, because they were trying to act like Trump. And, of course, Trump would never act like that. Uh, but but they don't have the substance, right? On, on you know, think about this, man. Trump
Trump was the only guy talking about China and trade five years ago, right? He was the only guy talking about how our foreign policy establishment had blundered us into a, a series of stupid wars. The only guy talking about immigration the way that he talked about it. Like, he actually believes in the substance. This is the thing the media never gives him credit for. And unless you can, I think, speak to the substance that him and his voters care about, I don't think you're going to win his support. I don't think you're going to win the support of a lot of voters across the state. Well, to clarify one thing, by the way, uh, Donald Trump has been talking about trade and the imbalance with China for 30 years now, not just for five. That's right. And that's, that's the, you talk about consistency that, very, of, of view. True. Yeah, that, that's yep. reality. Absolutely. Well, J.D., J.D. Vance, I appreciate you coming on. A lot of uh, really uh, strange stuff happening over the last few days and potentially some encouraging stuff for you there with the uh, message from Donald Trump Jr. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks so much for the time. We'll talk again. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Right. J.D. Vance on AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com